Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hi. I'm Stephanie Beagle. And I'm Evan Wayne. And we're the co-founders of Key. And if you want to build valuable relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friends, Travis Chappell and Eric Skorzynski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Evan and Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I know we usually take these conversations back to the very, very beginning, but I'm curious really to get to know how your relationship started, uh, how you guys started working together, and uh, what your goal has been over these past couple of years. And you can go ahead and start us off, Evan. Thank you. I, I was going to start off with trying to throw Steph off her game by saying that we met on a dating app, but we didn't. Uh, <laughs> we, we've been in the same industry for a long time in the advertising technology community. And through that, of, I, mean, I guess it's a play on the words of why we're here. Through our network, we have a ton of mutual friends. She is best friends with my wife. I've become mm. best friends with her. We're all best friends together. And we always thought about wanting to work together, but we're looking for the right opportunity. And so no better opportunity than just to create your own opportunity. And yeah. that's why we created Key. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Stephanie, what about you? What was your introduction? Did you come from a marketing advertising background? As well? Yeah, for sure. I won't go too far back. I don't want to bore everyone, but I actually started in the talent 
field. I remember the day that I told everyone I never wanted to work in a talent agency. And lo and behold, my first job was at a talent agency, but started out in LA, came back to Chicago because that life wasn't entirely for me hmm. and fell kind of face first into the digital advertising world as well. So I was doing what we never worked together, but Evan and I were on a suit, just parallel path for different selling advertising for mobile, desktop, all those fun things. Yes, I was in a very similar role as Ev. And like he said, we were just keeping an eye on each other and building this awesome friendship, which is one of the most amazing places to build a business from. I'm I'm curious, Stephanie, what was it about the talent agency world that did not appeal to you? Because what you're doing now definitely is adjacent to that world a little bit. What was it initially that kind of turned you off to that? a great question. I watched Entourage and I remember just being like, I really think Lloyd is an amazing character, but I would never want to do that job. And, you know, I think there's like that amazing luster of being in the talent space. But I think when you actually peel back the onion and understand people start in the mail room, they're literally Mm -hmm. sporting mail and the talent space, you're not always dealing with the most amazing talent. You're not always getting to do all the glamorous things. There's a lot of work on the bottom, the grunt work that you have to do. So I think I was just a little scared. I think that show just totally spooked me out. And quite candidly, I think the experience that I had at an agency was very similar Mm -hmm. to me being Lloyd. So I will say though, and I say this all the time, that work that I did there and the exposure, the work ethic that I built, that has been the foundation for absolutely everything I've done in life. So while I hated it and moments, it was absolutely worth it. So I wouldn't do it again now, but I loved it at the time. Yeah, it's funny. We did an interview with Brant Pimbidic, who is he's a TV producer. That's his background. And he's he really pushed home the fact that like when people think of show business, they forget the business part. But he, he talked about a story. They were meeting with uh they were meeting with these guys that worked with, I believe, the NFL. And they were in the back of a car and they were going from lunch meeting to lunch meeting, pitching shows and doing all this stuff. And he was like super stressed. He was sick of it. And he overheard them saying, man, don't you wish these guys that work in the NFL, which is like a dream job, they were going like, don't you wish you could ride around in the back of a car all day and go pitch TV shows? And wouldn't that be awesome? And that grass is greener thing is always there. So working in the marketing side, marketing is a lot in the past few months. There's been the iOS update. People are choosing to lock down, be a little bit more private. There's a lot of concern about how people are going to stay connected with their audience. There's more platforms coming out more than ever. So Tell me a little bit about Key and what you guys have been working on to solve the problem of staying engaged with your audience. And Stephanie, if you want to want to kick us off there, that'd be great. For sure. So since inception, and I think Evan and I always really believed in this hypothesis, but we felt that talent is really becoming the new brand. But one mm-hmm. thing that we noticed out of the gate is that the control doesn't necessarily lie in the talent's hands. So you look at social platforms and the algorithms and these big behemoths being able to change privacy and tracking and all those things. They want the control. The control often sits with these other platforms. So something that we saw early on was that talent wanted to find more authentic and meaningful ways to connect and engage with their fans and their community. They wanted to own their data, understand their audience, and in effect, be able to drive meaningful brand opportunities and brand partnership opportunities and things like that. So Key really came about to be this enterprise software tool to give talent back control, to own their data, to monetize their audience. And to your point, to build a community that is engaging and long lasting and not necessarily beholden to all of these other changing variables and market forces. 
years. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of the things that when I looked at Key and was looking at what you guys are offering, it's shifted, right? Because for people who have talent, the gatekeeper used to be a record producer in the middle of town, or it was a very small amount of gatekeepers. Now the audience is the gatekeeper. And so you've, you may have talent, but you have to get in front of the right people that actually resonate with your story. I was telling you before we recorded, I have a, another podcast that's extremely niche. So trying to get in front of the people who are actually in that niche is my biggest hurdle to growing. And so you guys taking the audience and the, the artist or, or talent relationship and making that first and foremost is really cool. And I'm curious, Evan, what are some of the ways that Key does that? Because I think when, you, when someone is sitting there and they're looking at, okay, that sounds great. Having a better relationship sounds good. How does that practically play out through that, through the app? It's interesting because it's, we thought about from the landscape of where the foundational layer begins. So it really comes with, before you can communicate more directly, you have to understand your audience. Hmm. So to understand what your audience's behaviors are, what content that they engage with, who are their friends like to extend that audience out to grow your own audience? I think that's part of the biggest thing for us is we want to build a big suite of analytics for discovery and mm-hmm. for talent to have this or talent managers or agencies to have a new understanding of the audience. And that all comes from a derivative of first party because everything we've always lived on is probabilistic data versus determinant. Sure. Meaning just because I follow LeBron James on Instagram and I follow a Rolex watch, doesn't mean I can buy a Rolex watch. Hmm. And that was how people drove media dollars. And so what we're saying is if you could understand the segment of your audience, and you could look at that and say, there are people that follow LeBron James for Taco Tuesday, but people follow him for his basketball, to watch Bronny grow up, to whatever it may be, the Pizza Blaze company he started, those are different segments of his audience hmm. versus reaching it all as one kind of segments is how it's brought out within social. So the toolkits we've given to people is saying, this is a way for you to engage with your audience differently and say, if you would like to know who might want to win a free pair of shoes or see behind the scenes content, or maybe you've done a merch drop through a different partner and you take those emails, rather than let them sit in an Excel data dump or a MailChimp, can you upload them somewhere to a technology? And that's the technology we built to unlock the understanding of what that audience looks like. So when you're looking at all the existing tools you have to connect, because I'm sure everybody listening can relate. We've got our community app. We're texting people. We've got our, for me, I'm using MailChimp. I've got Facebook group data. I've got social media across seven different platforms now. When someone's looking at this, is Kia a replacement for some of these tools or is it something that is basically aggregating all of these different pieces? So for somebody listening, are they sitting there going like, okay, I get to set all these tools aside or is it just something to bring them together? Great question. We've said from the beginning, it's a fool's errand for somebody to come out and say, I want to compete with Instagram. Being complimentary to them is the best. Their footprint is amazing. They're a marketplace for a reason of discovery of newfound content and whatnot too, and fans. So for us, it's saying we're agnostic to anywhere where you have a place that you've collected data that's fragmented. Can we be your centralization tool? Hmm. Can we be your CRM for talent, as we call ourselves, a fan relationship manager. So if we have a way where you said you have email sitting in MailChimp and you have seven different social platforms, the audiences on those different platforms aren't all created equal either. So understanding those segments of audiences and pulling them into one playground 
to make it actionable, that's where we've taken this. That's a really helpful way to to understand it. And it is true. And, and it's something I don't think we think about enough is that we tend to take for granted why somebody follows us or follows our brand and even look at Matt Barnes. He was on the show recently and and Travis follows him because he's a basketball, like mega basketball fan. I don't care at all about basketball. Like I don't care at all. I follow Matt Barnes because I like a lot of his political takes. I like a lot of his other, I don't follow everybody that we have on the show unless something they say resonates. And for me, it's a lot of his commentary on current events. I like seeing it. I, I like engaging with it. Some of that stuff's really cool, but that's two totally different audiences. If I get an MBA, ad it's missing (laughs) like they're wasting an ad dollar getting that to me that's really helpful i'm curious getting into kind of the i guess more philosophical side of this and stephanie i'm curious your take on this yes we have a lot of data we've got a lot of information but what are some practical ways that talent can connect in a deeper way with their fans with their followers maybe leveraging data and laying that influence content but not making it purely systematized like being able to actually really connect in a meaningful way for sure. I think the first thing, and he does this is, as I mentioned, you can upload your existing data to get those insights, but we also can capture first party data, namely email addresses. Hmm. And what's been really amazing to see is that there's certain fans out there. And I think Eric, to your example that you just named into many that I think about is there's certain talent that I want to lean into, that I want to engage with, and that I want to actually connect with in a more meaningful way that I'd be very willing to give my email to so that I can directly communicate with them, right? Yeah. Versus, and no offense, on social platforms, hashtag ads sponsored by, it's a little bit harder for me sometimes to understand who their true self is. So I think to what you're saying is for different ways, we're capturing email addresses and allowing talent owns the data to take those email addresses and figure out what's the most meaningful way to engage. Maybe it's a newsletter, right? Maybe it's email communications. Maybe it's quite simply, being able to segment those audiences and speak to if I'm a cookbook fan or a shopping fan, or I'm just a voyeur or whatever it may be, starting to be able to tailor those messages directly. And all of a sudden you're building this authentic relationship that you might not have had before when it was a little bit more passive on those social platforms. So I truly think that it's that we're giving talent the, the control, but we're also giving fans the power to lean in and to build this like symbiotic, this awesome relationship with talent where they're saying like, hi, like I want to get closer to you and I want to actually derive more value. And I just think that there's some magic there. If I hope that answers your question. No, it, it definitely does. And it, it raises another another question as well is, I know that you guys work with a lot of big brands. So you're not just working with influencers, talent, you're working with companies like Dunkin' Donuts or American Airlines, all these different brands. Are you seeing this have the same positive effect with those brands? Or is it something where having that human face, that human connection tends to help? It's funny because the brands have always been the Trojan horse to talent, if you really Mm -hmm. think about it. And I I had this conversation actually earlier today, referencing a a cliche movie in Jerry Maguire of Show Me the Money. Talent's normal reaction is when you come to them for an opportunity, they might not have fully grasped early on the importance of owning their data. They're Mm -hmm. starting to, because to your point, it's everywhere now. We talk about that. Apple updates and Google deleting cookies and et cetera. And the other side of it is people being able to sit there and say to themselves, okay, if I'm a brand and I want to align myself with the right talent, it used to be a popularity contest. Lady Gaga, Pepsi, $2 million, do a few posts. Pepsi doesn't want to spend that way anymore. They want to be more efficient with their dollars. And ultimately they may be somebody that is a junior version of Lady Gaga who owns their first party audience 
is going to be more effective for a Pepsi campaign. Hmm. In essence, like he is helping level set the playground a little bit. So when we go to brands, we can be a mechanism that says we can have some talent and show you the performance that we believe that they can drive for you because they'd be more effective with their audience or higher engagement. Or on the flip side, some brands are saying, we want this talent. We don't want to just stop at doing 10 talent and 10 social posts. We actually want to amplify this by doing social posts and then amplifying it by running media against that first party audience that makes cuts out a lot of waste. Just rock my world too, with the way that this kind of platform can be used by creators is one of the things we have a lot of podcasters that listen to the show, a ton of podcasters that listen to the show. And one of the things we always talk about is pitching sponsors and being able to go to people and, and make yourself worthwhile. And there is definitely a shift that I'm seeing where advertisers, like you mentioned, they might spend $2 million on a celebrity who's going to put out a post that people are going to tear apart because it's a look at the Khloe Kardashian migraine pill ads and how people like lashed out. And we know you don't use this thing and we know that you don't take advantage of this or Lady Gaga. Like we know you're not a hardcore Pepsi fan. There's that kind of fake aura around it. But versus like someone who has a very niche podcast, a very niche Instagram following, being able to go to these companies and say, my audience specifically likes my take on this cosmetic type of stuff, or they like my take on this political topic or this sports topic. That to me is a really interesting angle that you threw out that I think is is really valuable is, is knowing why your audience follows and being able to, as a smaller creator, go to a big brand and use it to pitch yourself. That's a really interesting angle on it. Eric, we know our next piece of business for closing is your podcast. So that's exciting. <laughs> You're selling yourself on it, but no, we actually are starting to work with a lot more podcasts, yep. a few within the walls of iHeart and some other uh, big organizations, because you, sum- you summed it up perfectly. People in that you have a very loyal audience when you have a podcast, people are committing to a lengthy piece of content. So that means they are your fans. They're, they're automatically your zealot fans as a result versus somebody that might watch an Instagram reel one time and might not watch every piece of your content. It's very different. So yeah. the podcast community are loyal and they do convert in a different mm-hmm. way. And so if we can give that extra bit of data analytics and insights to folks that have a podcast, it does lead to brand sponsorships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would add too that I think the nature of a podcast, like there's something that's more real, right, about Mm -hmm. that conversation. So I think the ability to be able to bring meaningful data to brands, to bring in brand sponsors that make sense and are authentic and are actually organic makes it's a win-win for all, right? I think the listeners would appreciate that more. The brands would appreciate that more. So I think to what I've said, I, I think there's a lot of magic, especially in the podcast world, to the ability to more authentically connect with your fans, but to also bring in brands and sponsors that make sense and that your yeah. audience actually wants. That, that's the key part is that I think a lot of people listening to shows, they don't mind advertisements. They don't mind getting people that listen to uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Don't mind hearing about supplements that Joe Rogan uses or, okay. or people that listen to my, my show. Don't mind hearing different authors and books recommended. But when you have an ad for a mattress company on your show about sport, like people get frustrated with things that don't target them. And I think, again, that's a different perspective shift that I think we'll see how that develops in the next couple of years. Like I accept tracking on all of my advertisers love me. I accept all my tracking for all the iOS stuff because I want personalized tailored ads to me. I know my privacy is gone. I just want to get stuff that's going to be what I'm interested in. And, but again, I I think that's a really interesting perspective and it, it is 
getting to know why people are listening, why people are following is super valuable. I'm curious, and Stephanie, you can answer this as well. So take, for example, myself, I have a Patreon community around my show. So I have a a pretty direct line of contact with some of my core audience members. For someone like that, would you see this as another piece that would be a good attachment to that or something to help bridge that gap between your public audience and a paid audience? For sure. Yeah, I think it's complimentary. I think there's a lot of different tactics out there. If you're leveraging Patreon to connect, maybe you're leveraging key to understand your audience and your insights. And if you're collecting emails from Patreon, you can upload those same emails into our platform to gain those insights as well. So I think the magic, and I know I'm biased, but the magic of key is that it is super flexible to meet your needs. So for you, if you have these existing communities, let's figure out how we can take that data that you're already collecting and upload that into our enterprise software system and be able to deliver those insights for you to get those brand deals. I think there's different mechanisms that you can activate so that all complement each other. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So you're saying you're a, a, a fan of the platform then, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's what's really neat is there are a lot of different applications. And I guess that's the beauty of having the data though, is you can go to all of these different situations and scenarios, whether it's getting sponsors, whether it's crafting an offer for your webinar or for your coaching program, be able to get a really clear snapshot of who that audience is. I definitely want to pivot our conversation a little bit into networking, which is what we've been talking about. We've been scratching the surface of that throughout, but we asked this question of all of our guests, Evan, you can answer first. And then Stephanie, you can fight him on it or agree with it. Uh, Do you believe that who you know, or what you know is more important and why? Who you know. Can I give two funny anecdotes? Because I haven't gotten to tell these stories. Yeah. 
You could do two, but now Stephanie can't share one. Yeah, exactly. I'm taking hers. Yeah. So. I'll give it one, one. I went to school, University of Michigan. My parents made it clear that graduating in four years is imperative because out of state tuition is very expensive. Hmm. And when I was graduating senior year, my dad looked at me and he said, I just wanted to let you know, I know you had a great time, but the friends you made here are going to be way more valuable than the four years that you had your education. And I didn't know what that meant at that time. And every time there's been somebody I graduated with that has started a business or we collaborated on something or introductions have been made, he reminds me of that. And that's from 2003 on to get myself. But yeah, it's so it's always been that. That's awesome. Yeah. Stephanie, what about you? What's your I wish I could disagree for fun, but (laughs) I think honestly what brings Ev and I together and what I think the magic of what we're building is that we're both human connectors at our core. Mm -hmm. And I think we've always placed value on friendships and relationships. And I think our network, honestly, it what is what drives us to build and innovate and create and just keep getting better every day. So 500% 500% agree with him. I think it's important to know things too. Don't get me wrong, but I think at its core, just being a connector is what's most important. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you could take it a step further with what you guys do. What you know about who you know is probably going to help you in a, in a big way too. Um, yeah. I'm curious too, taking it outside of purely an application and dealing more with the business relationships, the kind of people that have gotten to you to where you're at now, what are some of the best ways that you fostered those personal connections and really maintained? Obviously, uh, knowing people through college is fantastic, but you also don't want to be the person who's reaching out once they have success and saying, hey, remember me? Let's get a slice of that. What's the best way maybe that you have have fostered those relationships and, and keep those healthy, even when there's not a uh, direct day-to-day relationship? Have you want to start? You're really good at this. Why don't you do it? <laughs> I, I probably take this to an extreme in terms of, I was looking the other day and for the last few days and on average, I find myself, which is, this is my probably kryptonite of time management, mm-hmm. communicate with probably 50 to 60 people every day. And they could be really quick texts of miss you. How you been? How's your family? to saw some great news, congratulations, whatever it may be. And it truly comes from a place that like, I love people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's how I've always operated. And so little touch points to me are so meaningful because they, the same little touch points that come back showing love my way is a really good feeling. So mm-hmm. I think less is more a lot of times and the frequency at which you do it, it makes it meaningful. The only thing I was going to say before too, Eric, is every time I, we end a meeting lately, if the meeting's gone well, I obviously politely ask if there's anybody in your network that you think this would be interesting to, I'd love an introduction. And the best thing is an intro. There's no better compliment than an intro. Because if someone opens up their network, for instance, Eric, you can't go and introduce the same person in your network to 50 people in one day. It's yeah. falling into fears. But if you made intro for us, it's meaningful because it's your network that you keep close to yourself. Mm. So I think the value of all of that to me is to answer your question, the, the cadence of touch points is being more frequent as possible. Yeah, that's super, super powerful. And I actually have a friend who's a pastor in the Bay Area and he told me he always goes back to, he goes 
through his contact list. So he has, I think he does 10 people a day, 40 and 50 is crazy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when you sleep, but he'll do that. Like, and I'll get, I, I know like his rotation. Cause like about once a quarter, sometimes a little bit more often I'll, he'll get back to me in his contact list. So he'll, he, and he goes back to the last of his text messages and starts responding there and just has made it part of his routine. And I think that's really wise. And it makes it seem a lot more authentic when you do have a big ask when you're coming in and not having to say, Hey, hope you're well. Hope the kids are good. Also (laughs) join the zoom link. I have a pitch. It's a little bit less authentic, but uh, Stephanie, what's been your means of building and fostering these relationships? So I'm like, I would say I'm a mini Evan because I'm also not at 50, but I, my friends call it the friendship reach out. And it's Mm. really just, I do the same thing. I reach out when I have absolutely, I don't need anything from that person. So I reach out and just checking on you, thinking of you. And a lot of times it's honestly like to Evan's point, it's a miss you. And then I'll write, miss you. That's all. (laughs) And and sometimes it's let's get, let's catch up or whatever it is. But I think the power of that too is a, I'm not reaching out when I don't need anything, when I need something and B it also helps because we all know those moments when you haven't talked to someone for two years, it feels so daunting to be like, where do I start? Or like, how do I get on the phone? How do we do a 30 minute zoom? So I feel like those you get to look back and be like, it's okay. Even a quarter ago or two months ago, we at least had some type of connection. And I know on the other side, I think people really absolutely appreciate that. So I probably learned it from Evan Wayne, but I think for me, it's the exact same as foster your network when you don't need anything, foster your network because you enjoy the connection and it makes it a lot easier to have those more business forward touch points down the road. I'm curious, Stephanie too, and Evan, you could definitely follow up on this as well. These organic relationships are great, building a network of people that you know and trust, and especially in the business world, specifically people that can speak into things you're developing for a, a platform like key, or, or they can speak into kind of, Hey, what are you doing with your clients or how are you marketing? How important are paid relationships with people, whether it's through masterminds, mentorships, do you see value in those? Do you think that's a worthy investment? Uh, what's your perspective on that? Interesting. I think as the connectors that we are, I think we both, and I won't speak for Adam, but I default to those organic relationships. I think I've had a life coach and this will, and this is not surprising to me, but my life coach told me that I should be a life coach. So I think, and it's not because I'm perfect by any means, but I think for me, I think I can learn enough from my organic network and from my friends and from my family and from the different chapters and vignettes that we've had over the last 10 to 15 years. I don't want to date myself that I'm down to pay to play, but I think with all the tools out there now, podcast books, friends, like I, I don't necessarily know if I, if at this moment in time, I need to. Gotcha. Do you agree? I, I can't agree more. I didn't even know what to add to that. We're so spot on that. He was yeah. nodding. It's an audio podcast, but he was nodding. He was agreeing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I, I really appreciate the, the perspectives here. And I'm curious for anybody, before we move into our final section here, for someone who's sitting there and saying, okay, some of this sounds really great. I feel like I resonate with with what you're saying about connecting with your audience, building up my, my platform, getting a better sense of who they are, why they're following and they're sitting there, they, they want to find out more about Key. Where's the best place for them to go? And what should they check out first? At all. Check it all out. www.mykeylive.com. My Key Live. And then you can also follow us, My Key Live on Instagram. I am once again biased, but I think we have some beautiful marketing assets. So check us out there. And they can always check us out on LinkedIn. We love making new friends, as I think we've said 400 different times. So Stephanie Beagle and Evan Wayne. 
And yeah, I mean, find us anywhere. And we would love to have a conversation with each and all, any one of you to be able to support and partner and give you access to what we think is a really powerful tool. That's awesome. I'm going to move us into our random round. So we're going to ask some quick questions with some quick answers and uh, I'll figure out how to cycle this between the two of you, but I'll try to direct each of these to start us off. First off, we'll start with Stephanie. What profession other than your own, do you think would be fun to attempt? Was this like when I was a kid or like today? Right now. Like if you could start any profession, you could check it out, try it out. What do you think would be fun to do? God, this is so hard. I love outside of my passion, my first and foremost love and passion for key. I'm a big wellness girl. So I would love to open up like a wellness spa in some foreign land and invite you both there. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Evan, what about you? Oh, sorry, the same question. I, ironically enough, it, if the question was, I could do anything and be good at it, <laughs> and I, then I would love to be a professional golfer. But otherwise, I've always wanted to be a sports agent because hmm. I admit to sports. I think uh, you'd be really good at that. And, and I like the negotiation. And he clearly likes, and if we're cheating, Eric, I just want to just call out that as a child, I wanted to be a doctor and I found out early on that I faked the sight of blood. So that was like, that dream was crushed really early, but I just wanted everyone to know. Same here. I could never, ever do it. I don't understand what kind of sociopath can look at someone's (laughs) blood and be okay. But yeah. And then Evan, will start you off on this one. If you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Great question. I would go with, I would go with Prince. What would you ask? What would be the first question? What was the the most wild 24 hours that you ever had? Because I'm sure those stories go on for days. So if I have a park bench moment, I would like 24 hours in his view of his most wild 24 hours. Gotcha. What about you, Stephanie? I don't think I can follow that. Today, today, I would sit with Deepak Chopra because I'd want to ask him, how the fuck, excuse my language, do I learn how to meditate? Because I can't do it. So that's what I would would ask today. I hope I'm allowed to swear, Eric. It's too late. It's already happened. (laughs) We're done. (laughs) Awesome. Stephanie, uh, what's your favorite way to learn? Is it books, blogs, podcasts, videos? What's your favorite means of learning? Reading and podcasts, I would say. Podcast is a newer thing for me, mm-hmm. but I, the audio, I'm a, it's weird. I'm a visual learner, but somehow podcasts really just sit with me and the ability to be able to walk and to be able to do, just be in this like zen and open space and listen to podcasts. And I love a good book. Weirdly enough though, when it comes to business, I'd rather listen. And then when it comes to reading like dirty, weird novels, like things like that, I'd rather read or bad fiction, shit like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. It one, one thing that'll rock your world. If you like audio and you like reading physical books is listen to the audio book while you read the, the paperback. It's like a different level. Your brain will grow three sizes. Uh, I've done it a few times for books that I don't understand. And I need like as much handholding as I can. That's a, uh, it's a really cool, it's a really cool way to learn. Sometimes I find myself just like not moving through them as fast as I would like to. So right. I'm going to try that. Thanks, yeah, Eric. It's really cool. Especially when the author reads it, when the author reads the book and you can read along with them, it's super cool. But uh, Evan, what's your favorite way to learn? I am the opposite of Stephanie. We've got in line with everything else. I, maybe it's the undiagnosed ADHD that I think I have that everyone tells me I don't have, but I, it's people. Mm-hmm. Literally every conversation is an education for me. And that's where I run to. I, I, I feel I'm not good at alone time. Gotcha. 
You don't have any good, dirty, weird novels that you like to burn through? <laughs> the Tale of Two Cities Cliff Note version back in fifth grade was uh, something in there, but that's about it. Nice, solid recommendation. Evan, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. My morning routine. Uh, weirdly, with a three and a half and a two-year-old, I wake up before them. I don't know why. And at that point, it is catching up on who I missed communicating with from the night before. Then it is hoping that I get a call, mommy versus daddy, not this competition, that the first call is to daddy because it feels great. Go grab a little man, we hang out for a little bit, and then it's go time. The day starts. Gotcha. It doesn't end until it's hang with them again around dinner time. Gotcha. Yeah, I was on a podcast and they asked, what's your morning routine? I was like, I have a three-year-old, so it's survive. Uh, it's, right. it's survive yeah, in the morning and I get my work done at night. Obviously. <laughs> so so uh, Stephanie, what's your morning routine look like? No meditation. Than, yeah, it's no. clearly I work like essentially being mad at myself every morning that I can't meditate even for five minutes, but that's fine. I wake up, I'm a worker. I like to work out in the mornings because I like to get my mind and body and the endorphins and all that fun shit. So I typically work out in the mornings followed by hot lemon water. If I don't do it, I feel like off all day long. And then mm. I jump into my day. So I try, I'm working on not looking at all my emails the moment I get out of bed, but I'm just letting everyone know that's a work in progress. But yeah, that's my morning. Gotcha. Stephanie, what's your go-to pump up song? Anything Kygo. Okay. <laughs> I just, it's, I can't even pick one. I just love the tropical house vibes at any time of the day. Gotcha. What about you, Evan? ACDC Thunderstruck or Levels by Avicii. Give me either. Awesome. Eric, what's uh, your? Anything by Ice Cube, any 90s oh, hey. uh, rap or hip hop I'm into. Hi. Eminem's like a go-to, obviously, because any of his songs will do it. But I'm a big Ice Cube fan for sure. <laughs> what is something that you're not very good at? And we'll start with you, Evan. In the, if I was answering an interview form, I would say I split my time too much. So I, I don't have time for everything. What am I not good at? I am not. He's good at everything and he can't think of it. Oh, I'm really not. I, I, honestly, I'm really, I, I think, I, if, I wish I could focus to give more time to creating new skill sets for myself. Mm. Meaning I've wanted to learn another language or I wanted to make sure that I could start reading books and do all these things. And I, I don't think I give enough time to myself to do that, which is probably, again, my biggest weakness on things. Gotcha. What about you, Stephanie? I have too many. And we all know that already. Honestly, numbers are not my thing. I'm mm. way more of a creative vision, that side of the brain. And luckily I have a business partner who's good at everything clearly, but happens to also be amazing at numbers. He's like, he can rattle off like, and he loves doing this game. But when it comes to numbers, he just, he crushes it. So I can, I'm I can, count, I can count to a hundred. It's very impressive. Count to a hundred backwards too. But I would say that's something that I don't know if I'll ever get really great at that. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. No, I totally relate with you. Horrible numbers always have been super creative and I just can't. We were, I was sitting in the office with Travis and we were trying to figure out something. And I was like, I pulled out my calculator and was like, what's 10% of a thousand? I started like typing it in and he was like, are you joking? And I was like, yeah. hold on, wait. <laughs> okay, got it. And it was, it was a really funny moment. I'm gifted in many things, but it is right. not, it is not right. that. I know we answered this a little bit as it relates to key, but for connecting with the two of you, you'd mentioned LinkedIn. Is there anywhere else people should connect with you to follow your personal journeys, get to see more content from you? 
Yeah. Either um, one of you can start. I, was gonna say, <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's a hard to spell, but I'm S Beegs on Insta. S B I E G S. I will say my content is not nearly as fun as Evan Wayne's because him and his children create some incredible content. But honestly, I would say everyone should follow him. Evan, how do people find you? Funny you say that because the one place I keep private in my social network is Instagram. Okay. How about Um, LinkedIn? (laughs) I am active on LinkedIn and uh, I have a Twitter account that I wish I was more active on, but that would be be my, my playgrounds. Beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me on today's show. Uh, If you're listening to this, be sure to head to the links that are in the show notes to check out key, to check out uh, the profiles for both Stephanie and Evan and connect with them over there. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Eric. So much. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join his free Facebook group podcast to profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.